0: wmqa hello and welcome to wmqa i'm dan Grote and i'm matt laswitz and this week's guest is the writer of the upcoming dark horse graphic novel children of the woods joe ciano welcome joe hey uh thanks for having me
1: so uh what are some of the first comics that you remember reading um i am actually very big on uh the marvel gi joe Okay, Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of like uh, mid-90s X-Men, especially probably around like the onslaught time. I remember really going to Mm -hmm. 7-Eleven, getting a Slurpee, uh, getting a comic. And it was a very easy transition from the 90s X-Men cartoon into the actual series itself. Mm -hmm. Um, Costumes and characters are all recognizable. And uh, my favorite is actually uh, in the book a lot during that time. So it was really cool.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I was also in, in the uh, animated series to com- uh, X-Men comics pipeline <laughs> around that time. Uh, I, I like to tell the story, you know, my first comic was, uh, it was actually 93 and it was when they introduced this whole plot line of there being like two Psylocke's and which was interesting because Psylocke was not in the cartoon. And then, you know, then for there to be like two of them and all this like sort of messed up continuity that then they had to go back like a year later and like fix up, fix. Uh, and, and I always kind of wonder myself, what does that what does that say about me that like that was my first experience with, with X-Men comics and I kept going.
1: Uh, I, I didn't think that's the beauty of it. I think the 90s cartoon is actually better for slow playing Psylocke because I think they had to switch Cable's origin or they didn't know, or they made up an origin for Cable in like the sixth episode. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm not sure anyone really knew what he exactly what he was at the time. So he's like that weird mercenary for Genosha, and then they go into all the time travel stuff. And, and that was a great thing about the
0: cartoon, right? Like, like they would just take random characters and just throw them in there. I'm like, does he look cool? Yup. All
1: right, put him in. <laughs> I just, blobs cameos throughout that cartoon are really timeless for me. <laughs> fruity, fruity. Yeah, yeah. He gets very excited about a tub of ice cream. <laughs> Doing that, I just picking up and throwing people. Like, what a good time!
0: Absolutely, but uh, yeah, coming coming in with with onslaught. That is uh, that was that was kind of an in- intense. Isn't the right word, but as as X Men events go, that definitely was a mess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thankfully, little kid me was just very excited to you know see the action, have a vague understanding of who everyone was. Um, and I think, I'm trying to think if it was, I think it's Uncanny 333. It's the one with uh, Who Stopped the Juggernaut? And it's the very famous. Yes, um, yes. He's basically, he got punched from Canada. To Hoboken, slot, yes. To Hoboken. And they have a, he's in like a shock, stupor, enraged fight. And he fights uh, Bishop, Psylocke, uh, Cyclo- uh, and Beast. Yes. Uh, it's a very, very fun issue. And um, Juggernaut's actually my favorite X-Men. So oh, okay. as a little kid, I'm just like, oh, this is, I know him. This is, this is what I want. And it was a very like easy transition, but at the same time, also like, that's not a great time for Kane either. So that was a very <laughs> funny. Uh, some good stuff
2: in the cartoon too. There was some good juggernaut content in there.
1: There is. I'm curious if we're going to get any more good juggernaut content with the show coming back.
2: Yeah. Mm. I mean, he's going to be popping back up in the, books on now
1: that they've just yes destiny I, the new yeah not to not to date ourselves a little bit but if uh the destiny we, of x we uh, do it all the time <laughs> perfect yeah the destiny of x uh teaser just dropped and i'm very excited for him to be in i'm, I'm good i have to assume it's the legion of x book based on the yeah. teaser trailer mm-hmm. uh, or the little teaser at the end of um the onslaught uh one shot so that should be great and i actually just read he was in the x-men unlimited that just came out today issue 13 yes uh, yeah marvel web comics so that was cool as well
0: yeah no it'll it'll be good to see uh him and tom uh reunited at last uh one hopes but
2: uh take that charles you jerk
0: Trying to keep (laughs) jerking out off the
2: island wait north star's husband can come on that charles your excuse that no humans are allowed on this island is proven repeatedly wrong by both kyle and shogo you just don't want juggernaut hanging around
1: screw you i mean he Listen, has they're, tried gonna to need, they're, they're gonna need some muscle might as might as well get him now you know
0: <laughs> that is true um But let's talk about you. Uh, You are here to uh, talk about Children of the Woods, your dark horse graphic novel with artist Joshua Hickson, colorist Roman Stevens, and letterer Hassan El Howe, uh, due out January 26th. Uh, Matt, since we're dealing with some some good old fashioned horror here, uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and read the uh, solicit text.
2: After a tale of revenge leads to a monstrous outcome, Amber and Quinn pay the price for power and magic. As they become the newest children of the black woods, as Amber becomes intertwined with the secrets of the woods and the town they live in, Quinn learns he is not alone in the woods, and not all who reside there are welcoming.
1: Oh man, I got chills.
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I got—I got I to remember to put like the, th- the the rolling thunder sound effect in uh, behind that
1: <laughs> rolling thunder, like like dramatic door creak. I feel like also great sound effect <laughs> yeah, that would work. Just- look up
2: the, All the stuff from the beginning
0: of thriller
1: <laughs> the, the old radio show the
2: inner sanctum that's what i shoot for when i do those horror uh, the, nice the, the narrator to the inner sanctum very old school dc horror host kind of thing oh that's
1: perfect
0: love it uh man. so uh what what is the origin of this project
1: uh so we actually go back a long time we go back to the Age of Innocence of uh, 2015. <laughs> um, <laughs> and all we had to worry about was
0: creepy clowns in the woods. Yes, yes, yes. I, yes,
1: yes. What a, what a time to be alive. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, we, went, we go back all the way then. Josh actually just started working on Shanghai Red um, mm-hmm. at the time. He was still, um, I remember, I think at the time, he was still working on issue one. Uh, we met in Escape Pod Comics on Long Island, New York, which if oh. you've uh, ever been, is a or never been. It's a fabulous shop. Uh, if you enjoy just reading uh, and taking in the medium for everything it has to offer, that is a fabulous shop to go to. Um, and he was talking to the owner at the time, uh, and he kind of mentioned he was looking for you know other projects to take on. Uh, I was looking for someone who could do a horror style book. I was working on a project that had kind of gone through at least like two or three different iterations uh, in the scripting phase and the plotting phase before it eventually became. Children of the Woods, and Josh had like a self-published book there, like I did, um, which I purchased shortly after he left to get a good feel for his art, Uh, and I just thought it was perfect. I just thought his style had a real kind of like grit to it that just was everything I was kind of looking for, Um, and, you know, we did the business card exchange, and I sent him an email about a week later, uh, asking if he'd be interested. And a week after that, we met up in a local Starbucks and he did the sketch for, you know, the monster design of the book. And we were just kind of off to the races from there. Awesome.
0: Now, uh, at what point did the rest of the creative team uh, come into play?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, So pretty much after we made the deal official with Dark Horse, actually, um, I asked Josh, you know, because we, we basically needed a colorist and we needed a letterer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's worked on some more major projects. So I asked if you, if you you know, who, who would you feel comfortable with? Do you have anyone he recommended? And he immediately picked uh, Hassan and Roman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like their work on the book just took it to a whole nother level. Um, you know, we had, we had done demo issues that we had at like local conventions, uh, New York Comic Con, stuff like that. Uh, but the work they did on that book really just took us to what the book was always kind of meant to be Mm -hmm. um just everything that's everything just more vibrant uh the work on the book made me feel like like I was really seeing it done again for the first time and that was just a really kind of special feeling Mm -hmm. um and I think it shows in the pages um and the act and especially like uh a lot of like the lettering I feel like Hassan really had a lot of fun in some of the sequences uh and it it just, it just all felt very special. And uh, they were just really a joy to work with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, Haas is a scientist. We all know this, uh, you know, and you can see it, especially in the it's like, way. It's like, it's like a
1: madman in exactly. like the best way possible.
0: You know, he's, he's always experimenting and the things he does with the tails uh, of, of certain word balloons in the, in the book, uh, you know, it's stuff I hadn't seen before.
1: Yeah, he blew my mind, uh, especially the uh, the chapter three uh, when one of the ward balloons kind of like uh, loops around a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was just like, "Wow!" I'm like, "Okay." I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it just it creates the uh, like the depth of field for that particular character that was just so perfect in like a way I never even thought would be possible. Um, and it just while also just being silent, it's just really creepy at the same time. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So uh, after all of this, you've you, you've got all these people together. How does this book find its way to Dark Horse? How long you know? How long are you out there pitching publishers and, and what happened? Uh,
1: we were out there for actually quite some time. Um, so if you ever. I, I'm sure, I don't know if you guys have read Shanghai Red, but the back of that book, mm-hmm. um, they have the credits page and uh, we're actually listed under Josh uh, with our original title, The Blackwoods. Yes. Um, so we've, we've actually, we kind of been around uh, for really like a number of years. Uh, we had a very close um, instance where we almost got picked up by a publisher. Um, and unfortunately, uh, they then merged with another publisher, uh, our editor mm-hmm. got laid off, um, and we were kind of back to square one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really kind of took us about a year uh, before we kind of found our footing. Uh, but long story short, um, you know, Josh had our book at his uh, table at New York Comic Con. Um, he was doing variant covers uh, for Dead Dog's Bite, um, oh, okay, also yeah. by Dark Horse. Uh, so our editor um, now, uh, Brett, went over to Josh's booth. Uh, we had the first three issues then now chapters uh, on the table, Um, you know, he picked us up, um, really liked what he saw and we had to actually take a long delay because of COVID,
0: Mm. um, (laughs) who didn't,
1: (laughs) (laughs) but it was was just, it was just another, you know, like strange setback, um, because we were, you know, we we were making progress, um, but in September, you know, we kind of, you know, reconnected um, and, you know, about, a, you know, two weeks later you know, we had our, you know, our offer and we were signed and they were just kind of off to the races, uh, get everything done for uh, the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. That's great.
0: Um, so uh, the book, the book's broken up in the chapters. Uh, curious at what point did it convert sort
1: of from- a Graphic novel? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, that was just that was actually at the publishing phase. Uh, okay. you know, we, we talked to them about how they thought it, you know what would be the best kind of release uh, for this. Um, and even though I I had written it in you know an issue format, mm-hmm. um, I think it also lent it, it lent itself very well to uh, like a chapter graphic novel because uh, each you know chapter has its own cliffhanger. Uh, there's like a natural break um, mm-hmm. to each section. While also uh, not being too jarring if you're reading it in one sitting, mm-hmm. uh, so we, we thought it was like a it was a good fit, um, and it was just you know very exciting to you know get it all collected, uh, and I, I thought the book had a lot to also both offered in a graphic novel setting, you know, mm-hmm. I I mean who doesn't love sitting down and getting just everything at once?
0: True, so.
2: <laughs> going. In even to the original issues, how did you did you sort of intentionally approach the layout of the chapters? That you'd have a sort of set piece issue. Like issue one has the the narration and is the setup. Then issue two is more day day to day, and then issue three is the the basement issue yes issue four is day-to-day issue five is the asylum issue issue six is resolution that the you would kind of have these natural ebbs and flows built into the chapters
1: yes uh no That was kind of intentionally um you know i i wrote as one big story so it was very easy uh and it kind of played into us being graphic novels very easy to Compile it into kind of like one big story, but you know, we always had endpoints for where characters needed to be at each time. Uh, so I kind of wrote it to, I want to say, like a six act structure. So you had a, uh, we had like the inciting incident is, you know, uh, issue one uh, mm-hmm. with our dramatic action, you know, being at the end of issue one. Um, you know, that crescendo is up to our um, kind of reversal in at the end of chapter three uh, with Amber. Um, And then that brings us to kind of like an all is lost moment uh, in chapter five before everything climaxes and resolves in chapter six. Um, So I kind of structured it um, to be like, you know, just one kind of big story uh, that, you know, certainly has the space to be more if we ever want to do more. But uh, when you read this, you're going to get a full narrative complete with character arcs for, I think, basically the majority of the cast. Um, and we don't leave a lot of things unresolved, which I was very proud of.
2: I probably should warn readers, as this podcast will be dropping, or warn listeners, as this podcast will be dropping well before the book, we will do our best to avoid spoilers. Yes. But there might be some things that we'll say that will make you hopefully curious, but might give away a couple beats without giving away any plot too much
1: yeah um no absolutely i'm I'm fine with that i i'm all about the intrigue um and you know certain things you know do get for you know mentioned um certain in issue one the uh, the asylum being a location that we mentioned you know intentionally very early on in the story um so yeah we, we tried to kind of build and foreshadow everything uh to you know we that everything made sense um all the locations you would have known of before all the, even like, you know, the characters who, you know, show up later in the book, um, you know, they have a rhyme and a reason for being there. They're all part of um, a greater town, a greater narrative uh, that's been living in the Blackwoods for years. Mm -hmm. And these two kids, Quinn and Amber, just kind of get caught up in it. um, And they have to kind of try and find their place uh, in this world that's so much larger than I think they ever knew was possible so uh what are are you
0: you know in your in your personal life are you a horror guy you know do you have certain favorite horror movies or, or novels or, or whatever
1: actually i'm a big horror comics guy i'm actually not a big horror movie okay. guy um mm-hmm. i really kind of got into horror comics with the uh, adventure into fear man thing stuff mm um that stuff just really kind of like blew me away um and a lot of it like especially like the adventure into fear stuff was a lot of one and done narratives uh based around the man thing um who's even though he's the monster they're like the bigger monster in those books i feel was always you know like not digital but like society or like you know something else (laughs) something else going on in the town of citrusville um Mm And that kind of like, you know, like it certainly, I wouldn't say it inspired Children of the Woods, but it certainly influenced the kind of setting that I, would, like I wanted to build of, you know, small town uh, with something else lurking beyond it that people don't quite fully understand.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and that really kind of just turned me on to the whole genre in general. Um, other books, I really enjoyed uh, the Vampire Tales, um, black and white stuff that Marvel did. Okay. Uh, a lot of the 70s horror stuff um there's the modern books too i like i really enjoy. i really i just read the autumnal i thought that was really cool mm-hmm. uh you know stuff like that mm-hmm. uh but yeah my love for horror actually really comes for comics um i just find the narration the sense of foreboding you can build mm-hmm. just it, it gets me like it just like it's it's what i'm looking for um whereas like in a horror movie like there's almost like too much production in it you know you have the music you've got like you know the camera um horror comics just being able to take that at my own pace I I really like and you can linger in the moment for as long as you want
0: Mm -hmm. um now have you read uh you know any of, of Josh's other like did you read the plot uh, oh, for yeah, I,
1: I please, I, I'm his biggest cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah. I read the plot. Uh, I read Shanghai. Um, his Batman Fortnite uh, was excellent. So. Speaking of
0: horror comics. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. No, I, I really liked the plot. The plot was very cool. Mm. Um, I also, that's another book that had a really great sense of dread to it, mm. uh, especially in the early chapters. Uh, we're just trying to figure out, you know, what's going on in that house. Um, so that's cool. It was very cool to read. And um, yeah, I think you openly joke with those guys that like uh, Blackwoods was like his like interview pilot for that book. It was like, can you do <laughs> horror? And he's like, well, actually.
0: like Here you go. Proof of concept.
1: Yep. <laughs> exactly. Uh... As I have sort of mentioned
2: before, you hit a lot of the classic horror tropes in the book the creepy woods the asylum trapped in a basement teen versus jock that turns or geeky teen versus teen jock that turns into something horrific how do you go about putting your own twist on these kind of well-worn paths
1: oh for sure um yeah i i think just you try and make it new you know you try and even if even if you've seen somebody do like those tropes before, like they've never seen you do it. So show them something, you know, they haven't really seen before. Um, So I really try to make everyone in the story, not tragic per se, but certainly have their own, you know, like be victims of something that is, you know, like larger than they are. Uh, Like our bully, for instance, kind of becomes, he's a little bit of a sympathetic figure. Is he an asshole? Absolutely. Does he deserve what happens to him? Probably not. <laughs> like, um, so I, I try to make everyone at least somewhat sympathetic, somewhat of like a real person um that anyone could, if not like, maybe feel for. Um a lot of our like our theming is monsters um in the book. And even though uh, we're a book, a about, we're a book about monsters, but we would going say we are like a a monster book per se. Um, but a lot of what I wanted to explore was the monster within everyone um, and what it would take for that monster to come out, uh, be it, you know, an unrequited love, um, you know, the disappearance of, like, a family member. Um, you know, I really wanted to make all of these moments, you know, feel real. Um, and even though, you know, like you said, like, these are classic horror tropes, I wanted to make it so that anyone could understand where these characters were coming from. And make it so that, like, you know, you're you're looking at these through like a new eyes of perhaps empathy for these, you know, these characters that maybe you wouldn't have in other books.
2: It's interesting you said that because a little down the way, and I'm just gonna move this question right up. It was fascinating to me that you have two leads, one of whom was the outcast and one of whom was the popular kid. And so many times in horror, that latter character is either the villain or the victim and is rarely a protagonist. And I thought it was fascinating that you kind of took that and showed how these two characters aren't that far from each other, that for want of a better quote off the top of my head, uh, all it takes is one bad day.
1: No, I, I think that's fair. And I, I think they're both... They're two characters who know each other but don't quite understand each other. And I think that kind of comes into play at the end of the book. Um Not to get too far ahead. But no, like, I, I think they're both kind of characters who are lost for their own different reasons. Uh Quinn, because he really, like, never had a chance in a lot of ways. He, You know, he... Never, you know, never had the girl that he loved. He never really, he had a, never had a grizzler-like relationship with his father. Um, in a lot of ways, he's a kid at the end of his rope. And uh, Amber is a girl who is in a, you know, a situation she doesn't quite fully understand uh, what she goes into, I think, around like chapter three. But she's, you know, she's the girl who wasn't popular and now is popular, and I don't think she fully understands everything that comes with that. And she questions her, questions, her boyfriend questions, her friends. Why do people care about her all of a sudden? Um, and what that kind of paranoia can do to you, um, which is something that I think comes, you know, we explore later on in the book of what, how that can crack a mind.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, there's, there's a narrator in this book and that, and the narrator is the narrator. The narrator's <laughs> <laughs> are sassy, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> definitely kind of not toying with the characters directly, but sort of picking at them psychologically from, uh, from their position. I, I, it reminded me of, I don't know if you're familiar with the term, the angry Claremontian narrator. Uh, not particularly. Okay. So early in, in, when Chris Claremont was writing X-Men
1: uh, to bring it back there, but. Uh, like, oh, okay. There we go. Never mind. Yeah. Okay. Okay. okay I yeah. Get it now. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> You like shits all over Logan in some issues, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: Well, there, specifically, <laughs> actually, there's there's a scene you know, I was actually just rereading it like the other day, uh, where he's he, the the narr- the narrator is going after Cyclops after uh, it was right after Thunderbird had died, so like that yeah. first like post giant size mission, uh, and and you know Cyclops is sort of reeling in anguish, and, and the narrator is is I, I forget the exact wording of it, but it ends in him kind of going, "Aren't you?" Are you? And then are yeah. twisting the knife out. as he's front yeah. of
1: like the weird ancient shrine that's going to turn into that demon monster. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yep. Yes. Absolutely classic.
2: Yeah. Or all of Claremont's. Hey, let me introduce you to this character. Give them a first and last name and just a little bit of a background before I kill them horribly.
0: Ah, uh, what a guy. Yeah. Hey, like <laughs> The man had his tropes like any good writer. <laughs> oh man. Um altogether this you know this has been sort of a, a multi-year journey from conception to to you now publishing what did this book you know what's one of the biggest things this book taught you about making comics
1: um got to be flexible got to got to be able to not like i suppose we can put this um just kind of like be adaptive to not just change, uh, with like your partners, but change with yourself as well. Um, McCall, we like there are a lot of things that, you know, when Josh and I were doing like the scripting, uh, certain scenes, um, and I think we we're going to this in the back of the book a little bit, uh, you know, ended up changed from the scripting stage, um, and always for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like it was like, you know, certain scenes weren't quite like, you know, like what we envisioned, but they came out you know, stronger because of it, because, you know, I had such a great partner in Josh. Um, And I always, you know, I made a point to, you know, put it in the scripts being like, hey, this is what I think would work for this scene. But, you know, let me know if you have any ideas that would work better. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think the book is a lot stronger for it. I think a lot of the scenes are a lot more dynamic because he had a vision for how scenes could play out while also still keeping the spirit of what we were trying to do intact. Mm-hmm. Um, and just on my end, you know, not being afraid to change paths in the story. Uh, just because I think the book was originally supposed to be when I like first scripted everything, it was supposed to be five chapters. And I couldn't get one character to where they needed to be by the end of the story. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, like instead of trying to sh- shove all this into like, you know, five issues, let's make it six. We can, you know, explore other stuff. Um, and the book ended up being a lot stronger because of it. We get one of my uh, favorite scenes—the uh, fight scene in chapter five—came about. That was not orig- in the original story um, Bible for the book, mm-hmm. but is now one of my favorite moments in the entire book. So, <laughs> uh, so a lot of good things came from you know being flexible and you know listening to listening to your partners and listening to your characters because they're you know they're going to know what's best for. the story and you know just be open to to change and Mm -hmm. where that's going to take you
0: and when you do that two big things will punch each other and it will make a lot of people very (laughs) happy
1: (laughs) i'm hoping it does that was that was a lot of fun (laughs) when
0: you when you look at this when you when you look at at children of the woods and you look back on say for example your 2014 webcomic tales of happenstance You know, what is the biggest difference that you notice in how you've evolved as a writer and as a creator?
1: So Tales is uh, another, I really love that project a lot. It's a lot of like fun, definitely like more of a comedy. It's a comedy uh, crime book. Mm -hmm. Um, And I probably, I wouldn't have the confidence to have done Children of the Woods without having done those first. Uh, Sly is a great partner to work with, but I think a lot of what, a lot of what, like, I guess, my biggest jump would be not being afraid to dream a little bit bigger. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to put out, uh, you know, sh- short content like that than it is to. alright we're. I'm going to dream up a six, you know, six chapter, you know, full graphic novel, and mm-hmm. you know, just kind of like, you know, just really go for it, just really kind of like, you know, like shoot my shot. Um, but at the same time, because it's formatted like that you have to be a lot tighter with your storytelling. Like, you know, the webcomic has like, you know, like, well, it kind of has like no indefinite end. We can go for, you know, like 10 chapters, 11 chapters. Mm-hmm. If I'm like, oh, this doesn't fit here. You know, I can do it. You know, the next, you know, installment graphic novel, you don't have that luxury. You gotta, yeah. you know, really be within a set number of pages, which means you're, you know, your story's gotta be tight. Um, you know, the dialogue needs to, Fit everywhere without being overwhelming and taking too much away, you know, from the art. Because you know, only an ass would cover Josh in art with too many words. <laughs> uh, and uh, thankfully, Hassan did a great job of making me look much better at that than I originally thought I did. So, um, but yeah, it challenged me to be more concise, be more concise. I just get precise with my wording uh, with uh, the paneling. Um, and really make every page count, uh, mm-hmm. which I think we do a really good job of. Um, and you're know, just reading back, uh, cause I know about you, like I've reread this like a, so many times, like over and over, mm-hmm. um, just for, you know, fear of typos or, uh, just like my own kind of paranoia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, everything about the book just felt so tight and like, there's no wasted motion to it. And I think that was the biggest challenge and accomplishment that I wanted to do when creating this story uh, was I wanted to create something that just moved really well while also letting the characters breathe and like be who they are and give you a feel for who everyone in the book is. This
2: publishing experience hasn't spoiled comics for you.
1: No, no. This is actually, this is quite the dream come true to be honest with you. I mean, how could... <laughs> Cool. i'm gonna dream come true spoil comics I mean, <laughs> that's great to hear so
2: with that in mind you probably have a next project in mind are you gonna stick with horror or are you gonna to try to branch out into different genre
1: um so i'm actually literally before i talking to you guys i was actually kind of working on the next or what i hope is going to be you know the next project um, and I think it's gonna be horror. Um, I had two pitches I was working on. One was horror, one was more of a sci-fi-esque story. Um, wow. and a lot of the challenges, like I once again, like, you know, like to go back to what I, you know, just went into, you want everything to feel concise and feel tight. Mm-hmm. And while like I had these pitches and outlines that I was going into um for the sci-fi story it wasn't coming in as tight as i wanted i found that like or rather it was too tight everything was at like a breakneck pace and i wasn't getting in the moments that i really wanted to explore with those two characters um so i'm like okay i need to put this on the shelf right now and work on something else uh while i try and figure out uh kind of what to do um And I had another horror project that I was, like, kind of, like, tinkering with um, that I think is, like, a very fun premise. Um, And I picked up that, and everything just flowed really nicely. You know, like, when you make something, it feels real Mm -hmm. is, like, the best way I describe it. When When you have the creative, like, drive, like, it comes naturally. Everything just kind of feels real, has a good flow to it. And you're just trusting the story to go where it needs to. Um, and I think a lot of that was on me. I feel like I needed to do, I need to almost kind of fail a little bit to remember what did I do before that made, you know, Tales of Happenstance and Children of the Woods so successful. I almost needed to kind of have to learn to start over again and really kind of like make something like craft a world, basically, you know, you had to, I had to teach myself how to redo all of those steps and kind of, you know, remember that, you know, of Woods, you know, was in development for, you know, a long time. And, you mm-hmm. know, you, you're not going to have an instant success with like, you know, the, for the next thing you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of need to teach myself that and to, you know, kind of reteach myself a lot of things as far as like story and pacing and, you know, really crafting a world that people can get invested in.
0: So uh, you know, you mentioned that one of the things that that made this uh, a long journey was the pandemic, and it kind of pushed everything back. Uh, just recently, the book uh, did get bumped another couple weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Uh, I think when we first talked, it was, yeah, it was January twelfth. It, no. it was
1: the uh, yeah, the uh, shops was twelfth, and then the, and then a uh, book market is the same still uh, is the twenty fifth, and now the the Diamond release really date is the twenty sixth.
0: Yeah. So you know, obviously, it's crazy times between shipping issues and and you know now we got to worry about uh, what I've been calling Tom Clancy's the Omicron variant TM. Uh, how are you keeping busy while you wait for this book to come out? That's still, as we're recording, a month and twenty days uh, away. You know, it's almost like uh, your own your own personal Christmas Day is just a little <laughs> bit farther off in the future.
1: Like, it's crazier because now our, our book and admin release date are within two days of each other so like huh. it just it all comes at once now which is <laughs> like just even more exciting uh, to a certain degree but um, no I like I'm keeping creative I'm um, you know I'm reading books um, writing um, I'm reading a lot uh, which is fun uh, a lot of comics uh, you know personal I'm very sad I think Hellions is sadly ending tomorrow yeah um, uh did you have the same remorse that i do uh
0: yeah i i actually I, uh, get yeah, that the last issue is good I, oh know.
1: perfect okay <laughs> this
0: this will be in the past by the time this episode yes. airs, but
1: yeah but no i mean there, there are a lot of ways to keep busy um you know comics is such a big world to explore and you know i kind of want to see it all um <laughs> So, and, and, you know, the, you know, before that, you know, like leading up to the book, you know, I was at New York Comic-Con, Josh and I did like a little mini signing at his table on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I've been finding ways to, you know, get the book out there. I made um, Children of the Woods, um, I call them like little goodie bags, but they're basically just like um, postcards and bookmarks that we sent off to mm-hmm. comic shops and bookstores. Um, so it's really just, it's, it hasn't been a way as much as it's almost been like a celebration of, mm-hmm. you know, waiting for this book to come out. Um, and you know, I couldn't be more excited to, you know, finally get to share this with people. Um, Cause you know, while we, you know, like certain people have seen certain chapters, you know, we had a uh, black and white demos of uh, the first three chapters that we sold at conventions. Uh, but, you know, outside of you and like, you know, a few other people, you know, no one's seen the, the full thing yet. You know, there's still like, even if like people have read, there's still a whole like, you know, half of the book that nobody's like seen. And I think that's some of our best work, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm just so excited to for people to see it and share it, and just you know, hopefully, really enjoy it.
2: Color us honored.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it, and it is great being on here. I, you, know, I was, I was to, you know, I was listening to you know, listen to you guys, um, if not weekly, like bi-weekly, um, and yeah, I was listening to the the size barrier interview, and I'm like, oh crap, I gotta how the hell do I follow this? I'm like. I'm like <laughs>
0: Uh, he taught us like, the I correct way like, to oh, say john, john constantine
1: I, <laughs> I know <laughs> i'm never gonna pronounce his name like constantine ever again now apparently <laughs> but i'm uh, just like i almost like didn't want to psych myself out i'm just like i should just stop listening to this <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but you, you know uh, at the at the end of the day you know you again you've been working on this for 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 quite some time uh, in terms of the wider industry, you're, you're a new name. You're putting out your first graphic novel through one of the major indie publishers. You know, you've got, you've got known quantities on your, on your creative team, obviously. All star team.
1: Is... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, all, doing,
1: like yeah. extremely talented, like guys who have done some of like the coolest books in the industry. So,
0: um, you know, when you're, when you're out there and you're you're i mean besides this podcast because you know obviously that's been for you know 40 minutes of us talking about it but like what are you kind of doing to let people know hey this book's coming out you should buy it you know what is your what is your elevator pitch to i don't know let's say uh you know a random person who walks into your local comic shop
1: oh okay um, I mean, I didn't like just, you know, for our promoting producers out there, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. we did, you know, I've, I've sent a bunch of stuff to bookstores and comic bookstores, you know, across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a fun night of like Google searching, you know, like <laughs> cool, you know, like best comic shops, best bookstores and, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, sending them bookmarks and promo material, um, you know, going to like my local shops, uh, we have like a poster of the cover that we've handed out, um, mm-hmm. But as far as like you know, an elevator pitch, you know, this is. man because I'm trying to think like, like the comic. I mean, there's the there's the pitch I do with the con table. Then what I do is like an elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as an elevator pitch, I really feel like, you know, this is. This is the book about what people do when things go horribly wrong and the terrible things they do to try and make things right. Mm. Um, it's, you know, it's it's a book of It's a, it's a book about magic, uh, and the price that people pay for it. Um, now I'm just, I feel like I'm just shouting out the platitudes now, but like, um, no, it's at, at its core, it's, it's a book about people. It's about the monster thing. And I don't mention for but how much of are of left or of people when that monster kind of comes out. Um, and I, that's like usually my biggest selling point is, um, mm. uh, you know, like we are a book, uh, we are a book like about people and like the personal horrors that like they go through and how that turns people into monsters. Mm -hmm. But my con pitch is much tighter than that. My con pitch is usually a, um, after, you know, it's, it's the synopsis for the book that you, you know, was read so beautifully at the start of this podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, when the book finally does come out next month, uh, do you have like signings lined up or you, are you, you know, working on the, conven- you know, are you out there on the convention circuit right now?
1: Uh, not right now. Um, just because, uh, what's what well, we did. I did a few shows over the summer, um, mm-hmm. like a few local shows, but, um, we're looking to more hit the road in uh, 2022. Um, I think we'll probably do something at hopefully at escape pod comics. Uh, I got to finalize it. But I certainly, you know, that's where Josh and I first met. That's kind of where the book, you know, got its start. So I think to have a signing at a place like that Mm -hmm. uh, would bring things kind of like full circle um, in a way that I'm not sure many books and creative teams actually really kind of get to do, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my first ever signing thing was at free comic book day, uh, there with a, um, our 12 page demo of children of the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it'd be really special to kind of bring that full circle. Um, but you know, I gotta, I gotta see how the other world's going to shape out in 2022 as well. Uh, True, <laughs> but, uh, no, I would love to hit the road and, you know, once this is out, you know, I'll think I'll be in a, a better position to do so. Um, because you know it's, it's much easier to you know sell at a table when you've got a nice you know new graphic novel to show off to people Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so uh fingers crossed you know we'll see how the other how world shakes out but yeah i i miss cons um going back to new york comic con was such a special time um i don't know if you guys have ever been but it's such a massive spectacle um mm-hmm. that i almost like i recommend even if you don't like comics um anyone who listens probably likes comics but if you even even to my friends who don't like comics I'm just like you need to go because it's such a like event and there's so much to see and do even if you even you don't like comics but if you love comics I still feel that like comics is still very much at the core of the convention and Mm -hmm. there's so much to experience uh, and get new books and see you know what things are coming out and there's like a real excitement to it. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I just remember like going back on the show floor this year after like a year of being away from it and almost getting a little bit choked up because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure when I was going to be able to, you know, go back and, you know, have an experience like that. Um, and it was just kind of really special just to kind of just like walk the show floor and take everything in again.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, my last New York uh, Comic-Con was, was 2019. Uh, I'm actually, uh, this will be in the past, uh, when this episode uh, airs, but uh, I'm going to Chicago this week for C2E2. Oh,
1: amazing!
0: So that'll be that'll be my first big show since New York in 2019. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, I I gotta get myself out there and uh, start. I have a big travel suitcase. So I gotta put that to use. You know, <laughs> <laughs> start lugging books everywhere, get a new trade show banner. All the all the works. Put my name on stuff.
0: <laughs> Pay, paying extra to check your suitcase on the plane because it's full of books. 60
1: pound books of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All, all the cool stuff you don't see on Bleeding Cool with the E-Channel that they don't tell you about, you know? <laughs> so uh, what are you reading right now? Oh man, everything. <laughs> um, no, no. Uh, so weekly, um, I'm getting, you know, we, we mentioned Hellions. so I'm yep. getting X-Men, I'm getting X-Force, Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, indie stuff, I've been reading Bountiful Garden. Um, oh, okay, yep, is, yep. Uh, fun space horror Mm -hmm. um i think you had ivy on yes we uh, did yes yeah yeah that was a great episode end of the show absolutely yeah um that's a really really fun book um still is a very fun book um certainly like built a sense of dread that Mm -hmm. i really like um and uh kelly does kelly williams on the art does a really great job i love his temple designs that he does it uh, feels both like familiar and also like inherently unique in a way that like you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last book you ever uh, the last book you ever read uh, yeah. by Colin Bunn mm-hmm. um, over at uh, Vault. Uh, big fan of that. Uh, decided to get uh, what's the furthest place from here. Uh, tomorrow. Yes. Let's <laughs> state this podcast just a little bit more as far as YNA, <laughs> uh, when this was recorded. <laughs> hey, li- listen, with the way shipping is right now, it it, maybe not (laughs) (laughs) oh my god Uh, yeah that's a uh, that was cool i was the first issue really like i didn't expect it to do like the like part breakdown that it did but it also it (laughs) felt really cool um and built such a unique world that you just really want to see more of uh and tyler boss's art always like i'm a sucker for it There are like certain guys whose books i'll like get no matter what and i feel like tyler is kind of one of those artists um yeah actually he did um our cover logo for children of the woods so. yes yeah yeah so
0: i still to, uh, i still have to read go back and read uh, four kids walk, walk into a bank but uh you never so what i know i know i know bad, <laughs> sorry i'm not bad me it's a bad. No, meme, I, but, I, yeah. I have
1: like I have indie blind spots too. Um, there's a ton of books that like people are like. Have you read this? And I'm like, I no, I haven't, and I get scolded. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got one. Yeah.
0: At least. Yeah, but I was gonna say. I mean, I loved Dead Dogs Bite. I loved like Tyler Voss is an amazing cartoonist. You know it, it's, and yeah, that first issue of What's the Furthest Place from Here is. Uh, Very good stuff.
1: Yeah. Really, really unique. Definitely. You know, it sells you a world. It sells you like characters and it gives you an intrigue as to, you know, like you, you get enough of the world that you have an idea of what's going on, but it's so apparent that there's so much more to like see and explore. And it, you know, it's, it was a very, very good opening issue that hooked me in a way Mm -hmm. that not, you know, that I haven't been hooked in like a while. And it felt like it, it feels good. You feel the excitement. You want to read more of it. And that's, you know, that's what you want from monthly comics. You know, you want to come back and you want to, you know, I I love the episodic format as much mm-hmm. as I love graphic novels. I do love the episodic format of getting the issue and then, you know, talking to your friends, speculating on where things are going to go. It's mm-hmm. um, why I'm not like a big, you know, Netflix binger. Um, aren't comics great? Yes.
0: Yes, they <laughs> yes, are. They are. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, uh Joe, this has been uh an awesome conversation. Uh as we're winding down here, final question, how can people follow you online, keep up with uh Children of the Woods, uh you know, make sure that they're pre-ordering it because they have plenty of time before it comes out and all of that.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um yeah, you can follow me uh social media is very uniform um at amazing jciano. Uh that's my Twitter, my Instagram. Uh, My website uh, that needs to be updated,
0: Uh, like every good comics creator. Every
1: yeah, I part of the industry. Uh, Exactly, it's in the the handbook, Um, uh, which also needs to be updated. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh,
0: it's just a copy of Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics.
1: This oh man, I, I read that in college. That was one of the uh, my graphic novels class. I got to read that. Um,
2: what else was in the class? Oh god, never no, going on. No, uh, go
1: ahead.
0: I, go down the rabbit hole.
1: Oh yeah. rabbit. Okay, all right. Uh, we read Watchmen, Mouse, Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Cancer Vixen, oh. Um, Shortcomings, and I'm trying to think if there was one more. Oh, Ghost World. Nah. Yeah. A lot pre- covered like all the kind of genres you could think of autobiography slice of life autobiographical like you know like mm-hmm. fantasy and you know of course you know superhero um i i felt slightly patronized because in the description you put comics with an x and i'm like oh come on can we <laughs> like can we not, can we not? <laughs> um just to go back and Children of the Woods updates. Uh, you can follow myself, um, you know, Josh, uh, still probably our best bets. Um, but also please follow Roman and Hassan because they are supremely talented, uh, you know, comics, uh, both creators uh, and artists in their own rights. Um, you know, uh, Roman, uh, you know, it's called some of Josh's, you know, DC work uh, in the um, the piece Peacekeeper uh, one shot, and then a uh, Batman Fortnite, and he just did a uh, he did some coloring for the um, Mad Cave um, Grim Tales book that came out. Uh, I want to say like last month. and um, on you know, um, you know he does panel by panel, which if you've never read, is one of the best you know comic publications you know kind mm-hmm. of out there. Um, and in addition to just the phenomenal lettering he seems to do on any number of books that blows my mind. Um, Cause I feel like he's lettering, you know, like almost like half the books in the, like in the industry right now.
0: Yeah. He's lettering um, half. Then a did you bit of cars, right? Lettering the other half. Yes, absolutely. They, they got monopoly.
1: Um, yeah. And, and right, rightfully like deserves. Rightful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, you know, follow them as well. Um, you know, they're all really talented and I do you know, have a lot of stuff to offer as well. Uh, but blackwoods updates, you know, me and Josh probably be your, your best bet
0: right on. Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Oh my God, please. Thank you for having me. This is, uh, it's been a real joy, um, um, and, uh, kind of an honor, you know, you guys have, uh, had a lot of really great, you know, interviews and it's really neat to, uh, you know, be on this. Um, so please thank you for having me.
0: But wait, there's more. I told you last week uh, we had one more interview in the bag from C2E2, and here it is. Uh, I had a quick discussion with friend of the show Keith Dallas and artist Don Kramer on the floor at Chicago, and uh, here it is. Again, warning, ambient crowd noise. Bye! Table with uh, friend of the show, Keith Dallas, artist Don Kramer. Uh, They're here uh, pitching a comic book they're working on. Keith, tell us a little bit about Magellan.
3: Yeah, we've been working on the Magellan, which is a sci-fi horror comic book that that Don created. uh, Brought me in to, you know, help him uh, write it and uh, you know flesh out the characters. But uh, this is something Don's been that's been in Don's head for a bunch of years. The elevator pitch is Firefly meets Event Horizon. It's basically about a ship that, a ship designed to traverse the, the dimensional barriers. On its maiden voyage, it disappears. Okay. 13, year, 13 years later, it, it suddenly reappears. Uh, but it, it seems to, but that's how we were describing it. It seems to have uh, brought something back. Yeah, it brought something back with it. You know, more monstrous I uh, think, more Lovecraft than Monstrous. Uh, right. Monsters. Yeah, you know, definitely a Lovecraftian out. vibe to it. And so they, <clears throat> so some of the original, uh, not the original crew, but say the uh, people who originally worked on the project go to the person who designed the ship to inform her that the ship has returned. And at first she's resistant to believe that is the case, mm-hmm. but she finally says, all right, this is worth investigating. And oh, by the way, the pilot of the ship is her former husband. Uh, so, you know, uh, I guess I think it, it appeals to uh, obviously people of uh, you know people who are into sci-fi and into you know the horror genres um, but also you know I think I think we you know Don and I have you know put together a, a, a fun cast of characters um, who you know interact in, a, in an
0: interesting way okay so how uh at what stage, I guess, uh, you know, you've got ashcan copies that you're, right. you're you're giving out, uh, you know, but it's, it's still a work in progress, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah, we're yeah. still
2: working on it. It's uh,
3: probably about a good uh, six months to a year
0: out. Right. You know,
3: okay. So. Yeah, we you yeah, know we're 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 close to finishing the you know the first issue, um, but and we're we're conceiving it as like a what you said like a five issue series. Yeah, okay. Roughly, um, yeah. And you know. Still mulling over whether we want to self-publish it, whether we want to, you know, pitch this to a publisher. Um mean, that's sort of the beauty of the comic book industry in 2021. Is options, you can, right? Yeah, that you have options. That you're not, you know, tied. This is even say, you know, 15 years ago, there was no way you could do it by yourself. Now you can. Mm-hmm. So, but we, yeah, we've been having a lot of fun, you know, putting this together and you know, getting some great responses. And uh, you know, for people who are interested in it, I would say you know, hit us up on either Facebook or or Twitter. You know, um, and we're certainly. Love to provide more information about it. I'm good. Okay. So,
0: uh, how is how's your con going? And also, uh, since con sort of came back, and all, all the big shows are getting crammed into like this two month period, you know, which which ones have you done? How's so I've done New York. the okay. And right, and, and obviously I'm here at C2E2. And
3: You know, it's I mean, I I did really well in New York. Um, noticeably less people. And so it, it's, you know, it's not necessarily bad bad thing, you know, it's, uh, with considering how overcrowded New York Comic Con got. So, um, you know, it's great to be back. It's 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 a bit weird seeing so many few people, so much fewer people around. Um, but yeah, those are the two that, I, that I've been
0: Okay. Uh, and, and of course said it, this is your yeah, first yeah. one back, This right? is my, this oh, is my yeah. first one back. My last one was New York 2019. Right. So, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely nice to be out there again, uh, mixing it up and seeing, seeing people. I've never actually been to Chicago. I've never done C2 YouTube. And again, it's so great to see you. This, is, this, this was a show that, like, I had a lot of friends that we go to. And, and I was like, all right, I'm okay. going to go next year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and okay, then, so obviously, uh, COVID. I was actually, I was, we were supposed to go, me and my two best friends, we were supposed to go to Baltimore 2020. And then, obviously, then that, that could not so happen. Rapid. But uh, that, that, thats the new next year uh, yeah. show. But, yeah, you are also a, a noted uh, comics uh, historian. Yes. Uh, what are you? What are you working on right now? So in
3: that band? yeah. I'm, so in that, um, with I'm the editor-in-chief of American Comic Chronicles, which is uh, a series of uh, comic book history books published by Tomorrow's Publishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurt Mitchell is is working on the second 1940s volume okay and I have begun drafting the 2000s volume Uh-oh. so we have yeah I know so um, and we now have right every volume in between we have volumes from the 40s through the 90s uh, and that's been doing well John what, what's great is John Morrow is committed to keeping all the volumes in print okay so the, let's see I know the 80s volume and the 50s volume has already gotten a second printing uh, the 70s and the 90s are about to get a second printing uh, so that's uh, you know that's a bit humbling that you know John is uh, John doesn't do that with a lot of his books uh-huh. you know it's, it's once it's sold out it's sold out and, then, and I feel there's, there' are books that in his inventory that he should consider reprinting. but. So I'm, you know, flattered that he has that uh, type of uh, commitment to the series. So,
0: yeah, so I've been a busy boy That's good. Now. Busy is good. Uh, so what kind of things, uh, what are a couple of the things that we can look forward to learning more about in, in a 2000s comics chronicles? I imagine a lot of awkward post 9-11 uh, <laughs> yeah, charity books. Yeah, yeah. Um,
3: what else? <laughs> think in many ways the 2000s is the, sort of the the Jeff Johns decade true when you look at you know so because I'm, I'm nearly done with the two, the chapter on the year 2000 okay and when you look at at that point he was he was taking over Flash from Mark Waid yep um, he was co-writing JSA so and it's it's interesting when you think about where Jeff Johns was in the year 2000 and where he ended up the year 2009 mm-hmm. how dramatic that he had quite the decade yeah you know? um, when you also think about by the end of the 2000s um, the manner in which fans yeah. were getting their news okay. so you're talking about like the demise of Wizard Magazine yep. um, and the the rise of like Bleeding Pool and how much of how how fans were connected to the industry through news sites. You know? uh, and it's in 2009 that Kickstarter launches. So mm-hmm. it's you know so so that <clears throat> sort really of doesn't get into that, but I mean it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting sort of way to end the volume where it's like, sure. you know because you you know sure. you and I have previously talked about how these crowd funding sites have provided a great alternative for creators to fund their projects, which wasn't around prior to 2009. Sure. So do um, <clears throat> you think about the events, you know, going over to Marvel Comics, about certain events. You know, there's also uh, an interesting development in the 2000s where Diamond, uh, raise their threshold for okay. independent publishers that if you wanted to be distributed to the to the comp of stores uh-huh. you had to hit you they, they raised the threshold and that, that that really hurt a lot of smaller publishers diamond of course was justified as saying look there was so much clutter out there that we, they had to figure out a way to buy Uh, I remember at the time, sorry, a lot of publishers were were sort of threw up their arms, but even at the time, a lot of public retailers complaining that they were essentially franchises of Diamond. So you're starting to see the, you know, because Diamond was, no longer is, but was a monopoly. And And, and then it would have been a young monopoly. Yeah. It's only couple of years since yeah. Heroes year hero's so. And it was in the year 2000 when the, the Department of Justice said, yes, it's a, it's a monopoly, but it's not, it's not one that we need to uh, break up. Uh-huh. Which I think is sort of an indication of how small the comic yes. book industry is where even the Justice Department is like, we don't, we don't <laughs> yeah. we've, we've got bigger fish to fry than to <laughs> worry about this. Um, but once it, you know, so once it's, out of those troubled waters, uh, you, you began to see a lot of retailers complaining about how diamonds are operating. And, you know, it's, it's so that, that that becomes some of the main sort of threads of the volume, you know, uh, as well as things like uh, cross-gen, uh,
0: unfortunately, short-lived. One thing that's going on right now, uh, you know, not to bring the, the, the turn of the room down, but you know, we're, we're about to lose a titan yeah, know, in the industry. Yeah. Uh, George Bridges' cancer diagnosis came out like just a few days ago. Uh, what is? Do you have like a favorite piece or maybe an even interaction with, with Perez that uh, comes to mind?
3: <clears throat> yeah, I never. You know what? I never got the chance to, to interview George. Um, I mean, I have mostly relied on. Sort of the interviews that had already been that he'd already done for for my research. Um, certainly met him a few times in, in quick passing, and you know everything that they say about him is true. Just the you know the nicest guy I've ever met. You you could not find a more enthusiastic ambassador for comic books. Certainly, you know uh, he loved it. He loved talking about it. He genuinely loved his fans. Um, it's it's a shame that his health has been failing him, you know, for the last few years, years now. Yeah. And um, you know, I was never uh, a Teen Titans reader. I'm more I'm more connected to George's work through Avengers and through Justice League. Okay. You know?
0: Okay. Because
3: uh-huh. that's and, and that's you know one story that. I put into the 1980s volume is George only agreed to do new Teen Titans because he saw it as a way to draw Justice League. He thought Teen Titans was going to last like five issues huh. and so he you know, so he really didn't think much of it He because you know, he had left Marvel, yeah. Yeah, he was doing Avengers, he was doing, you know, and that was that was his goal in DC. He wanted to draw, which he ended up doing. Mm-hmm. But obviously, his legacy is more connected to Titans than it is the to, Titans to Justice and League. Yes, yes. So, so certainly in those early '80s, in, you know that he, he only agreed to do Titans under the assumption that it was actually going to get him the Justice League assignment. Yeah, so, it's funny how things actually happen. Yeah,
0: and, and he ends up
3: coming back to Titans even yeah. after you know he leaves the blockbuster. A little of viewers, viewers, right yeah. people and people remember people when he, he was so when he, system when, system he, system when he when he when he and Marvel relaunched Titans DC was in really bad job. I mean they really did not have a bestseller. That was right after the implosion. Yes. Not long after the implosion. That's right.
0: Which you've written. Uh, which yes. You've written about. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Comic so, book yeah.
0: implosion in stores.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Actually out of print. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, comic book implosion so,
0: available at kids
3: table. Exactly. <laughs> if you want it, if you want a copy. You going to, you know, you got to contact me. Oh. But, um, but yeah, no, exactly right. That um, post-implosion and suddenly DC, uh, uh, Teen Titans becomes this runaway hit, and it's sort of the shot of the arm that DC Comics needed because uh, there were so many at the time in that late '70s, early '80s, convinced that the the, the comic book industry was was for the One it's many times they, yeah, they exactly. try to ring the
0: bell. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh man, I, I remember interviewing Walt Wait, Simonson once. It was like, yeah, we thought comics were dying in like the late '70s. Yep.
3: Late '70s, late '90s. Yep. I mean, that's also <laughs> last year. I'm, as I was, as I'm drafting the 2000s chapter, the chapter on, on the year 2000, that's sort of a prevalent feeling: is you know, sales are down, and uh, everyone thinking that once again, this is the end. I almost feel like we never like from from the year 2000 to year 21 Uh 2021 was there ever a year where everyone was like oh yeah the industry's in great shape I mean I feel like we've been in this sort of 20 year maybe when Disney bought Marvel I guess (laughs) that didn't do anything for the creators that is an excellent point absolutely yeah Yeah. don't let that escape the
0: conversation I mean uh,
3: movies are interesting but but people are not interested in no, and, and people are out here yelling, hey, David Aha for you know, right. the Hawkeye show, taking all his visuals. And, but that is also something about the, the decade of the 2000s, when, when you remember the period of DC and Marvel signing creators to these exclusive contracts. So, so there is at least uh, a short period of time where creators are getting at least some more benefits due to the competition between Marvel and DC. You know, Don was, Don was exclusive with DC for a while, um, so one of many, you know, and that's, I, I don't, you know, how, how many, how many exclusive contracts do you hear of now, you know? Not too many. Yeah. I know Tom Taylor just got one for, uh, for DC. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they're, they're, there's, there's Tom people. King, I assume Tom King has to be, about me, but and I'm there's not doing
0: wrong anything about for Marvel, that. so. Right. But yeah, no. The uh, the big deals now are the uh, those creators were lucky enough to get that substack venture capital uh, money. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, Keith, Don, uh, really appreciate you guys taking taking the time to uh, talk to me. Hope you have a great show. Yeah, thanks for stopping by. Hope you move some units. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQNA is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom. Chris is on Infinite Earths and the new Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by our own Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQA on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQA at Patreon.com/WMQComics. Where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lasowitz, built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. A $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail for my collection. A $3 donation gets you a slot in the Comics XF staff picks. And a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons Charlie Davis from the Mash Club podcast, Robert Secundus from Toxman at Comics XF, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider Woman series. Cap herself from ComicsXF, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. the loyalist content consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, when there was one set of footprints in the sand, that's when the Hulk carried you. WMQA!